This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, folks, what's happening out there? Welcome to Dealer News Today, coming to you straight from the DNT headquarters. I'm feeling good. How about you? Well, I tell you, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. I would doubly appreciate it if you followed the show on Instagram at Dealer News Today. I am your host, Derek D. And if you'd, you know, you'd like to follow me on social media or check my stuff out, DerekD.com is where it's at for that. All right, we got a really fun and insightful show for you today. My guest has a great story, and she's a champion for diversity in the workplace, focusing her efforts in the automotive space. Now, she's no stranger to the automotive world at all either. With over 30 years' experience, she is now the CEO and founder of the Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement, or CADIA. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Cheryl Thompson to the show. Hello, Derek. So thrilled to be with you. Thank you for having me today. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, it's going to be a great one. Um, first, where do, you, where do you live? You live in Michigan, right? I'm in Michigan, just outside of Detroit, Livonia, Michigan. Ah, right. I mean, you work in the automotive industry, so no surprise you're in Michigan. Uh, are you originally from there? I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio, but moved. My dad was in the auto industry, uh, was transferred when I was about 10 years old. So most of my life has been in Michigan. Ah, so it's interesting. Something when you talk to people whose family were in the automotive industry and they always kind of end up in Michigan or different places around the, <laughs> the country, it's almost like they're like like a, like a military kid. Like, oh, my dad is in the automotive yes. world. So we went here, oh. we went there. We're in L.A. Yeah. We're... <laughs> I recently found out I'm fourth generation auto worker. I found my great grandfather's draft card from 1913, I think. And he oh, was wow. a, punch, a punch press operator at Ford Motor Company. And, uh, you know, later of my automotive career, I was a tool and die maker. So I was actually building the dies that went into those presses my great-grandfather was working it on. So a little bit of history. My my great-grandfather was auto worker, my grandfather was an auto worker, and then so was my dad. So I I guess it was in my blood. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. That's 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 some family uh, heritage going back there. All, yes. And all with Ford. I know you you worked at Ford for over, what, like 30 years or something? 31 years. 31 years. And then I spent a year and a half at a tier one supplier, American Axle and Manufacturing. Wow. And what was your main, what what was the main thing you did at Ford? I mean, in 31 years, I would imagine you've had a couple different titles. I, I have, Derek. So my, if this is an interesting story. When I was in high school, I ended up getting pregnant with my son. So 17 years old and I was waitressing at the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, when I had my son, I kept waitressing because it was good money. Great tips. Right. I was a waiter for many years. Yeah. Little known fact about the money that you can make in that industry. And boy, the lessons that it gives you for the rest of your life, I'm sure you can relate, but my dad was an engineer, like I said, at Ford Motor Company. And he said, you know, Cheryl, Ford has food service inside. If you're going to be a waitress, why not apply at Ford? Oh, wow. So, so I did. My mom dropped me off at the front of world headquarters in Dearborn, Michigan. I was wearing a gray suit and heels. This was the eighties. <laughs> and I go into the, the office and fill it out my application. And they hired me on the spot. They gave me an apron and they said, can you start right now? We want you to wash dishes in the basement of world headquarters. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> so I had to go back out to the car and ask my mom to pick me up later. But um, I spent a couple of years in food service. I got to waitress in the executive dining room, the penthouse. So I got to wait on many of the executives. And then they were looking to recruit women and minorities into the skilled trades. Uh, so I thought, boy, I can be an electrician, a pipe sure. fitter. I, I know what that is. Absolutely. Why not? <laughs> but well, they were looking for people in tool and die. And I don't know if you even know what that is. Back then, I thought I was going to make tools and dye them. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I know what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, at the time Die I did, casts. So, yeah, and, and just, you know, building those dyes that stamp out the car parts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did a four-year apprenticeship, and then I was a journey person for a couple of years. And then I, ha- I was fortunate enough to have a superintendent who took me aside and said, you know, a lot of former dye makers went into engineering, you know, it's just a great foundation for engineering. Yeah. So he opened up his network, made some introductions. And so most of my time was at, at Ford was in manufacturing, engineering operations and product development. Um, so vehicle and powertrain. Wow. That's, that's really cool. I mean, that's, that story a, is a great story. I mean, it sounds almost like a movie, but like, <laughs> but you really, it's, it's a classic, you know, look, I worked my ass off from here and worked my way up and, and, and became very successful in what I do and what I love doing. And I I think what I saw, I read somewhere that your last title was PTO of global prototype manager. Yes, Uh, that's right. And uh, that, so to be the manager of global prototypes, you know, there's like uh, for, you know, obviously people listening, they know, but that's like concept cars, right. And, um, and, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and things like that. So that, that's really cool. I mean, uh, were you, were you at a lot of the auto shows? Were you always there around the Ford booth? Uh, no, not so chance? much. I was more on the powertrain side. My customer was the vehicle side. Um, so I did get to spend some time in the design studio. I did definitely attend the auto shows, but I was more on the, the powertrain side. So making the engines, the transmissions, axles, even getting into the additive manufacturing, the 3D printing. Um, oh, wow. So that was a lot of fun too with the prototypes and, and uh, certainly on those concept cars. So you were an engineer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. So you, you walked in and started washing dishes and then <laughs> before you left, you were an engineer and a lot higher up. So you really worked your way and that that's, that's extremely commendable and congratulations on that. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, you got it. But uh, yeah, no, I only asked cause I used to host a show for almost a decade called Fastlane Daily. It was a daily show about car news, but funny. And we read all uh-huh. the automotive shows all over and uh, we were we were cool with a lot of the Ford folks, and um, you know, an Alan Hall by any chance? No, I do not. Okay, he's not there anymore, but he he used to be. Um, there's a few other people, but I'm not going to start naming people. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's anyway, such a small world. I'm sure we would find that connection someplace. <laughs> oh, for sure, yeah. Um, and I always I always kind of ask this people on the show uh, now. So you're not with Ford anymore. Obviously, you founded. You're the CEO and founder of the. Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement. And what, what's an average day in the life look like for you, Cheryl? Like today's a Wednesday when we're recording this. What's today look like for you besides being on this awesome show, Dealer News Today? <laughs> well, every day, Derek, is so different. Um, you know, I used to start my day <laughs> really early in the morning and, and work out and do my meditation and all of that. But I'm finding more balance and trying to figure balance out balance is good. Balance is always good. <laughs> yeah, with with so many things going on, I'm trying to figure out how do I get more sleep yet still fit in that 
fit, fit in that fitness for my well-being. And yeah, you need uh, that. Yeah, the days are very challenging. We work with a lot of companies um, on the OEM and the tier one side, you know, the manufacturing side, but we're also starting to work with uh, some of the large dealer groups and the auto care or aftermarket industry. And so what we spend our time doing is uh, gathering community together for people who are responsible for working on diversity, equity, and inclusion and we share best practices. So right after this call, I'm jumping into a round table with the auto care industry and we're working with different companies. I'll do a little teaching and then they share with me, uh, different companies will share, here's where, how we're applying what you've just taught Cheryl, or here are the lessons learned that we've had, or here's some mistakes that we've had. And then everyone gets to take something away. Everyone gets to learn and share. So I'm doing that right after this. And then later on, I'm going to jump in the car and visit another one of our member companies. And I'm going to sit down with the CEO and his executive team. And I'm going to do a four-hour level set on what is diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, you know, many companies in this industry are just kind of getting their start. Others have made a lot of good progress. But I spend my days uh, building that awareness, helping build strategy and set goals um, so that we can make this industry more inclusive and attractive. Yeah, sure. I mean, hey, you, you got to be for that, right? Why not? Um, yes. And I, so, yeah, like you said earlier, you got to get that fitness thing in. My, my, luckily, my brother owns a gym, so I go there in the morning and oh, do a so class cool. or whatever. So, yeah, I always do that before I get into my day. It sets the sets the tone of the day, I, I, you could right. say. Um, and I also make my bed every single morning immediately when I wake up. That's like the first oh, thing. So <laughs> it sets the, sets the tone of the day. Like I already accomplished something that let me go accomplish other things. Um, yes. but you were, you were saying, you know, later on today, you have a four hour, um, uh, class you're teaching on this. I mean, we don't have four hours, but, uh, <laughs> for people listening that aren't familiar exactly what, you know, the center for automotive diversity, inclusion and advancement is, or what it does. Could you, could you explain that? Yes, yes. Well, as everyone knows, I think whatever sector of the industry you you are in, everyone is struggling with talent, right? How do we find and retain yeah. the very best talent? That's across the board, even in the restaurant is. industry. Oh, yes, it t- definitely is. Yeah, just uh, try to get in to a restaurant <laughs> and, and get served, right? It's uh, we're short staffed everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, so really what we're focused on, uh, Cadia, if you Google Cadia, um, in addition C-A-D-I-A. to C-A-D-I-A. So yeah. in addition to finding us, you'll also see that Cadia is an underground gold mine in Australia. So this, this, <laughs> wow. this acronym has a double meaning because there's so much talent, Derek, that is hidden underground and I think there's a gold mine in unearthing all of that talent. And there's also a gold mine for this talent that may not know there are lucrative, interesting jobs in this industry. Yeah. Um, so we're really focused on uh, building awareness of what is diversity, number one. So diversity is all about our differences. And what may come to mind for most when I say the word diversity is gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, but it is so much more. It is about the culture. It could be the culture of our workplace, our industry, how we were raised, where we were born. It could be our personality style, the way we think. It could be our political views, religion, uh, life stage, age, right? So much. 
And, and we want to be able to leverage all of that diversity right. so that everyone can bring their best selves to work and to do their best work while they're there. So that's where the inclusion or belonging piece comes in. Mm -hmm. And then the equity piece is really, you know, because of our backgrounds, our experience, our, our access to resources and networks, we all have a, a different level of uh, access. I'll say access is the big word. So equity is all about how we go back and retool our talent systems so that everyone has access to opportunity, awareness of what the opportunities are, um, a knowledge of what those unwritten rules are um, to, to be able to advance um, within your industry. So we, we kind of give that level set, go into a lot of uh, detail behind what is, what, what, why do we have this inequity? So we start to talk about unconscious bias, you know, which we all have. If you have a brain, you have bias. Um, so that's a little of, of what is covered in that four-hour workshop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good. You're, you're addressing things that need to be addressed and, you know, giving people opportunity. For, from my perspective, it looks like your main goal is to, like, get people involved in the automotive industry that normally maybe wouldn't be interested or have a chance to be involved in it and making it more diverse in that way as well. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you know, you think about just my story of thinking I was going to make tools and dye them, right? I had no right, idea yeah. what, what tool and dye is. And if you look at the, um, the dealer side, I know there's a huge shortage of technicians. And when we look at gender, uh, you can look at different reports and see it's 1% of females we have in technician roles, or is it 2%? <laughs> The, 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 Still, the, it's not a lot. <laughs> the realization is we've got a long way to go um, because I don't think that um, everyone understands what is it like to be a technician. There's that assumption that it's it's dirty, dangerous, and and not lucrative. And, and it like it's a man's be. job. Like he should <laughs> right. be doing that kind of thing. Right, yeah. right. And it could be for it could not be further from the truth. So how do we get more awareness out there about the opportunities? Yeah, it's like get yeah, put the awareness out there and be like, no, anyone you, anyone can do this that wants to do this and wants to learn this. You know, it's not just a, a, a dude mechanic in a shop, you know, getting his hands dirty. It's it's like right. you said, it's a lot more than that. So you know, it's got to drum up that interest to get more people, all walks of life, interested in in doing something like that, that maybe has like a, not, I don't want to call it a stigma, but like a, a connotation that it's, no, that's, that's just let the guys do that. Let men do that, you know? <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> so- uh, just curious, and I know you said earlier that you know your your mom dropped you off and you 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 went in and got a job with Ford and you were dishwashing and then you went up to food services and all that stuff. But were you always? I asked this to everyone on the show. Were you always a car person? Were you always? I know your family obviously they all worked for Ford. Did you love cars as a kid? Did you like driving cars? Were you? Uh, can you drive manual? Um, you know, I just <laughs> ask these people these questions. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, my dad was definitely a car buff. You know, he would be one of those guys that would buy a car and not tell my mom and all of a sudden come home with a brand new car. So we always <laughs> had, we always had some type of a new car. Um, so getting a new car has always been so exciting for me. Love that me too. new car. I love that <laughs> too. I love that too when I was a kid. I still love it. I know that new car smell and, and just all of that. So yes, I, I love that. Um, manual. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so when I was at Ford, you remember when the probe first came out? Yeah. The Ford probe. 
the Ford yep. Probe. <laughs> so that was the first manual I drove. I, I was I had the opportunity to take home an evaluation vehicle. And I was thinking, and I didn't know how to drive a stick and they were only um, manuals. And so I taught myself how to drive it in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. You like, you, you forced yourself to learn because you're just did. like, I got, like, yeah. <laughs> they always say one of the best ways to learn manual is put yourself in a manual car in the middle of New York city and say, okay, now get out. <laughs> you, you will be, you, no matter what, you will have to learn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously that could be dangerous, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think, well, it's crazy nowadays. I mean, like most kids, most kids getting their license now, like a, are they getting, even getting their license and B, they have no clue how to drive manual. And it's like, right. it's like a dying thing. We're like, no, I don't want that to go away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen some data, you know, we all thought that this next generation was going to be more into ride share. I have seen some data that said Gen Z, they are buying cars, <laughs> you know, they are getting yeah. their driver's license and they are wanting cars. So that's, I think it's that freedom piece, you know, that independence and freedom to be able to get in the car and go where you want. Oh man. You remember that when you first turned, well, for Jersey, I'm in Jersey. Turned um, 17 and I got a, I had an 88 Toyota Camry and oh I was yeah. like, wait a second. So I could go like anywhere. That's and it's right. just that, that freedom. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I used to ride my bicycle everywhere. So I could not wait until I was 16, got my license. My first car was a Ford Thunderbird, the 1977 red Thunderbird. Oh, nice. Big boat. <laughs> yeah, it's big. That's a big car. <laughs> but I loved that car. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, let me ask you this. What did you, did you experience something, you know, in your many years working at Ford and in the automotive industry that made you want to start Cadia? Like, was it, was it just <laughs> like, Hey, I, I, like Drake said, started from the bottom. Now I'm here. And, uh, was it like, you saw a lack of women in the industry, in, in, in the particular yes. industry. And you were like, wait, I could help change this. Cause I did this here. Yes. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, for a long time, Derek, I thought that, and I did not see very many women. And I, and I started Cadia with this thought that women were holding our own selves back. And if we just put ourselves out there and network more and, and put ourselves in roles that have profit and loss responsibility, you know, those, those roles that lead to the next level of advancement, that's the answer. And I yeah. quickly found out that it takes more than that, right? It really takes the commitment of the leadership of a company. It takes the systemic change. So how do we retool our talent systems for equity? And then it takes an inclusive culture. Many, many companies are focused on recruiting new talent. But if you're not prepared to receive that new talent and that new talent that may be diverse, whether it's gender, race, ethnicity, uh, sexual orientation, they're not going to stay. So I myself had experienced being underestimated, undervalued. I, I knew I had more to contribute and mm -hmm. I saw so much of that. And so I really started Cadia to be able to not only help individuals, but to help leaders um, in, in understanding what some of the obstacles and barriers are. Because let's face it, most leaders in automotive are white and male and straight, and they don't they've had a different lived experience. So they, right. they haven't been able to see some of those barriers and obstacles. So I'm all about standing alongside someone to, to help them expand their understanding and help them with things that they can do different to help pull others up along. 
Right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what needs to be done. And, you know, Kadia is doing that. Plus, it's uh, I think it's creating awareness for a lot of these higher up executives in the automotive industry, you know. So um, you said your mission is to double the number of diverse leaders by the year 2030. Yes. So my question is, is there ever an issue where if you just don't have the interest from as many diverse people as you thought you might? Or is that not an issue because your goal is more to put these opportunities in front of a more group of diverse people and you could say, hey, look, you, you could do this. Yes, yes. Well, that, that's an interesting uh, question. I do hear that, I, and I, I'll call it an excuse. <laughs> I do hear that people say, I can't find um, diverse talent, you know, when I'm talking women or, or uh, you know, people of color or the pe- they're not interested in this field. But um, I would say, number one, we're not looking in the right places. And, and number two, to your point, it is about providing that awareness yeah. of, of the opportunities. There's so many different things that you could do in the automotive industry, right? From the manufacturing side to the, the dealer side, both in sales and service, and then even the um, auto care, you know, the aftermarket stuff. So there's plenty of opportunity. You look at all of the different functional areas, finance, marketing, communications, uh, manufacturing, product development. Oh, uh, yeah, now, there's so many, so many. <laughs> look at just autonomous vehicles and, and all of this new technology with electrification. The opportunities are endless, and it's never been a more exciting time to be in the industry. I mean, even down to the, you know, hire this person to run your social media for the, your automotive yes. for for, I don't know, pick up Nissan. You know what I mean? Like yep. that, that's, that's something too that didn't used to be there in the past. And that's obviously with social media and everything that we have now, it's, it's a lot, there's a, many facets of, of jobs in, a, in the automotive industry for sure. Right. Right. Do you remember that show? How, how, oh my gosh, what's it called? How it's made or something like that. Oh yeah. 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 How it's we made. On, a, yep. We need a show like that for the auto industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be like all the, you know, all the, uh, all the different jobs and stuff that you could have yes. or, or it's just like, you know, um, Mike Rowe, who I've met a few times, yes. great guy. He, uh, I've interviewed him on my show a few times, but he, um, but yeah, like a show like that where, Hey, maybe it's me. And I go around all the different jobs you could do just in the automotive industry. Oh, Derek, you should do that. I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> going to have to, going to have to pitch that show. Um, yes. So uh, playing just devil, devil's advocate for a second, because I'm sure you get this question or you get people coming at you with something like this, like, well, wait, would you hire someone with less experience or less qualification just to maintain a diverse workplace? And it sounds to me that that's not really your goal is to create knowledge for people of diversity to want to be in this industry? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we, we do get that. I mean, not at, let's face it, not everybody is on board with diversity, equity, inclusion, and, and I don't expect them to be, <laughs> you no. know, there's, there's that bell curve of, you know, you're going to have some people that are really overly enthusiastic. Um, and then you've got some people that are just, um, you know, adamantly resistant to the whole thing. And then you've got some people that are just misinformed and they think that, more opportunity for someone else is going to mean less opportunity for me. Yeah. Um, so, so I want to acknowledge that. I want to also acknowledge the fact that when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, sometimes white males feel left out that it's not about me, but it really is. And we need everybody along on this journey and everyone has some 
uh, dimension of diversity. I was thinking about this mentor that I had who was uh, a white male and he was from Poland. And he shared with me that for so many years, he felt like he could not bring himself, his full self to work. And he was so quiet in meetings because he was so self-conscious of his accent. Hmm. So, you know, really this stuff does apply to everyone. To your question about hiring somebody less qualified. So we don't want to, or you said somebody with less experience. We don't want to hire someone that's diverse that isn't qualified. However, we, we want to look at um, what boxes do they check? You know, they don't have to check 100% of the boxes. Well, I don't think anyone checks 100% of boxes. <laughs> right, right. And, and so we want to make sure that we give that person um, the support that they need to grow into the role if they've got the basics in place. So we want to be more inclusive in our recruiting, and we want to make sure that we are being intentional about including more people in that candidate slate that are diverse. So so at least there's an opportunity for them to compete. Right. So if, if even if it's someone that, you know, on paper has less less qualification, quote unquote, but, you know, you met the person, you talked to the person like this person has crazy potential that can Mm -hmm. get them to that higher level of qualification to get that job or any job that they want, you know, in the industry. And I, so I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's more of like what you're trying to do, which I think is, is great. It's basically what you're trying to do is get everyone involved. (laughs) You're like, Hey, if you're qualified and you want to be involved in this, no matter what your uh, creed color, whatever it is, you could do it if you want to, you know, that's it's just, right. it's as simple as that. And I think that's uh, very uh, admirable. Um, so la- last question, just, uh, you know, what are some of the biggest things or lessons you've learned during this last year and a half through COVID? It doesn't even have to be automotive related or anything. I'm just asking in general. Ooh, that is, that is a good question. Uh, you know, I would say my biggest lesson that I've learned over COVID is to listen Right. So many inequities were exposed with COVID. You know, who was able to work from home? (laughs) Uh, You know, the whole essential worker versus those of us who do have the luxury and the the ability to work from home. Um, You know, people that might might not have access to brought good Internet. Of course, with the George Floyd uh, murder, just, you know, hearing the experiences of people of color boy, that's such learning. So I would say my biggest lesson over the last year and a half, two years with COVID is just really listening and not jumping in with, yes, me too. That happened to me, you know, wanting to share about my experience, really giving um, people the space and that psychological safety to be able to share their experiences. That's been huge because we don't all have that same lived experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gives you a a different perspective, makes you take a step back and look and, you know, take stock in a lot of things during this crazy time, you know, COVID, a pandemic, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an actor, comedian host based out of New York city and this whole world of auditioning from home and we couldn't go into the city and, you know, you just have to adapt and figure it out. But, Mm -hmm. you know, listening to people and getting perspective on things is a, is a great way to think. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, listen, Cheryl, Cheryl Thompson, I think we covered a lot and, uh, you know, I wish you all the best going forward. CEO and founder of the Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement, a.k.a. Kadia. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, I thought it was a great episode. Well, thank you, Derek. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. No problem. And uh, have a great rest of your day. And good luck teaching that four-hour class you got later on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank you, Derek. Have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank you. That was Cheryl Thompson, CEO and founder of Cadia. For more information, visit www.automotivediversity.org. And that will wrap up this episode of Dealer News Today. You can listen to all past episodes on all platforms, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow the show on Instagram at Dealer News Today. I'm Derek D, DerekD.com for all my stuff. Appreciate you listening, folks. Until next time, this is Dealer News Today. Bye, everybody.